You're listening to the Oz TV podcast, only on the Oz Network. Welcome back to the Oz Network for a second week of random rewatches, all dedicated to 90s teen icon Jonathan Taylor Thomas. Most JTT, the most random month we could come up with for random rewatches. Hey, watch it! Watch but spectacular at the same time. If you're with us last week, we covered Jonathan Taylor Thomas's. 1997 movie that was a bomb wild america which ben and i thought was great movie and rossi didn't quite get uh but we're moving on we're all going to be culminating with maybe the greatest performance jonathan taylor thomas ever had on home improvement coming up in a couple weeks we're gonna have some last man standing next week his big acting comeback that came about a couple years ago but today we're going to talk about uh really one of the few acting gigs he had post home improvement uh, this is the 2002 episode of Smallville, Jonathan Taylor Thomas, playing a villain, season two, episode nine, Dichotic. Uh, this is JTT at his slimiest, most despicable, uh, everything that you would not expect from Jonathan Taylor Thomas. Uh, let's get into it. My name is Colin, and I think we're both candidates for the Overachievers Anonymous Club. And uh, my name is Rossi, and ah, <laughs> was that him falling off of a dam? Uh, well, I was more thinking about when the car fell on the father's leg. Oh, okay. <laughs> There's a lot of screams in this episode. It's hard to nail down. <laughs> um, uh, I tried to pick the more recognizable <laughs> one, but I guess it didn't work. <laughs> Uh, so th- I mean that that could have almost passed for your Tim Allen grunt though that was pretty close. And <laughs> <laughs> wait till he gets home. <laughs> oh, can't wait for that. Um, anyways, Smallville. This is a show that uh, is very dear to my heart. Um, we actually, in a way, technically started off our random rewatches this uh, with this show. Uh, if we go all the way back to the beginning of the Oz Network, we knew we had a lot of plans for stuff we wanted to cover. We wanted to cover. You know, shows like Lost, which are being done now. Ben wanted to cover Third Watch. We knew we had a lot of movie themes he wanted to do, like Star Wars and, you know, Christmas movies and stuff like that. But we just wanted to get our rhythm down. And uh, one of the reasons uh, we needed that was because we had never done recaps like this on TV shows before. Uh, everything we had done in the past with our old show was just Survivor stuff. Or Ben and I had done movies with James Bond. So, like, let's get a feel for what the rhythm's going to be like. And I suggested... Let's just pick like four episodes of Smallville. I'll pick a different episode every week. We'll record those. We'll just see how you know our, our rhythm goes in these episodes. Um, we like that idea enough that we decided to bring it back with you know listener suggestions. So we did some listeners, and then maybe about a year ago, Rossi and I decided you know let's fill some of the gaps we have now that there's uh, I guess a TV show that Ben was covering that was finishing, and let's do random rewatches. And finally, it's come all the way back around. I found a way to talk about Smallville again. And it is on Jonathan Taylor Thomas month, of all things. Rossi, uh, we talked about our, I guess, our familiarity with Jonathan Taylor Thomas last week, so no need to go into that again. But uh, what is your familiarity with Smallville, which I will say ranked number three on my all-time favorite TV shows list that we put out about a month or two ago? Uh, and were you even aware Jonathan Taylor Thomas did anything post home improvement, let alone play such a slimy villain? Obviously, I keep tabs on JTT. The second he comes back into public eye, I will be all over that news. <laughs> uh, so I'm definitely aware of his like life 
post home improvement. I don't, I couldn't tell you everything that he's done. I couldn't tell you every role or, you know, was he the good guy? Bad guy was just a normal, whatever. I couldn't tell you everything, but obviously I was aware that life has to continue post home improvement. Um, I didn't know it would go in this direction in terms of Smallville outside of knowing that you did an initial random we watch of it, like way back in the OG days of the Oz network. I know nothing about this show. Did you never watched an episode, like never seen a clip. No one I knew watched it. Like it was nothing. Did you at least know it was about Superman? I didn't know that till you just said it now. <laughs> Please tell me you're joking. Don't know anything. Wow. Uh, so this afternoon, when I guess you were starting to watch this episode and you were messaging me, what is going on here? You legitimately were confused. I thought you were just, uh, what's with his power? And <laughs> you're like, I'm so lost. No, I didn't know anyone had powers. Like... <laughs> You you honestly had no clue this was Superman? No. Wow, okay, so... <laughs> let's go into the history of the show here. So, um... Obviously, <laughs> Clark Kent. <laughs> obviously. Obviously. Who's identified as multiple times in this episode uh, is the alter ego of Superman. <laughs> Uh, and in 2001... Well, they only said Clark, right? Well, well yeah, but then uh, Jonathan Taylor Thomas, when he's getting angry, he goes, Kent, Kent. Maybe you just thought he had two names or something. Uh, the, the S... Wow, this, <laughs> this is amazing. Okay, so... <laughs> um, 2001, we'll go back to the beginning. Uh, the, the two creators of the show, Goff and Miller, they had been working on an idea. They wanted to do a young Bruce Wayne TV show, which, of course, has only in the last couple of years been made as a TV show, Gotham. They wouldn't get the rights to that, but they were told, you know, why don't you try, you know, young Clark Kent? Because there was a Superboy comic and everything that really told about his life growing up in Smallville, Kansas. And they said, yeah, fine, we'll, we'll take a crack at this. And they created the show Smallville, which for 10 years it was on the air. It was the biggest show on the WB network, later the CW. Uh, it was one of the most popular shows, really big here in Canada, especially, you know, because uh, I think we just, we didn't have obviously the WB or we do have it. We pick it up from other countries, but it was on like our major cable sci-fi network here. Uh, and it was actually on network television for a few seasons. Um, and it basically tells from Clark Kent, young Superman before he's able to fly before he knows about his history and everything all the way up until the final episode, season 10, where he becomes Superman finally. So I hope that the show makes a little bit more sense now to you. <laughs> yeah, I was just confused. I, I thought, like, I knew that there was something almost supernatural, like, in the opening intro, there was, like, mm -hmm. like a meteor or, like, sparks or something that was just like, oh, that's interesting. And, like, it, did, it didn't click that it was Superman <laughs> at the first. Like, I, I was just like, oh, he has superpowers. And then I was like, oh, that tracks, like, Jonathan Taylor Thomas. He also has some sort of superpower. <laughs> I was like, okay, there's just some, like group of people that just got like infected or something like, i just didn't know what was well, what obviously it makes more sense knowing <laughs> that it's like the superhero origin you you actually picked up on a lot more of the backstory though than you did on the fact that it was even superman because the way that smallville starts is in the superman comics everything else you know he's from a planet called krypton do you know that much about superman i know krypton okay kryptonite is the weakness yes and he can fly. Okay. Um, so 
in all of Superman, he wears a cape. He, he does. Uh, in all of Superman comics, uh, movies, everything, he's from planet Krypton. The planet's destroyed. He's the lone survivor. His parents sort of cast him away, send him to Earth. He grows up on Earth being raised by these farmers, these humans, which are his parents, Jonathan and Martha, here in the show. Uh, this is great. We actually get to go. We picked a random episode of Smallville, and we get to talk about the entire history of Superman. Um, and slowly throughout his teenage years, he starts to discover, you know, I have some powers here. This is unusual. Uh, in the Smallville TV show, as a way of actually giving themselves frequent villains, since the model they had from the beginning was they said no tights, no flights. They wanted to make a Superman show or a show about a young Superman where he doesn't have a costume or a cape and he can't fly yet. They're like, let's take away his most iconic ability and just have it be like a teenager going through puberty. These early seasons were really about... Imagine if Superman was getting his powers almost as part of puberty and he's confused. Oh, I don't know what to do about this. You know, there's a great episode in... Um, I think it's this season where he discovers his heat vision because... He's kind of getting aroused by one of his teachers. Uh, so there's awkwardness like that in there. But to get the typical villains or the villains of the week in there, they have it where when Clark Kent, baby Kal-El's ship crash lands on Earth, it's in the middle of a meteor shower of all these fragments from the planet Krypton, which means two things. One, these meteors uh, actually infect the people of Smallville. So you get all these people in town who have these weird abilities that gives you the villains and then you have kryptonite which gives clark his weakness so you actually picked up quite a bit of this show without knowing he was even superman which is quite impressive um uh, what can i say i'm so good at taking on the details but the the thing right in front of my face is just <laughs> non-existent well we we have to talk about um uh, some of the things that were right in front of your face throughout this episode before we even get into that um did they mention Lex Luthor at all in this? Is that name ringing a bell? It does. Um, <laughs> n- not until you said, like, does it ring a bell? Did I finally, like, realize... Oh, oh wow, bald like, guy! That- Lex Luthor! That's it! <laughs> I, I, like, know nothing about, like, the like superhero... Like, I don't follow superhero mm. stuff, so, like, I, like, outside of knowing, like, oh, that's, like, a name affiliated with, like, the superhero universe like i don't know any details but now that you said it i'm like oh wow like i should have picked up on that but we this is why we do random rewatches we're doing every random rewatch blind from now on uh okay so uh i guess history with smallville for me i mean i was a huge superman fan he's always been my favorite superhero so i was watching the show from day one and my fanaticism about this show reached a peak probably in season four when they brought in lois lane uh, but here in season two, even still, I was watching it every week. It got to a point where I would record like 10 hour. I'd buy like the video cassettes that could actually fit like 10 hours on them. And I would record 10 hours worth of Smallville episodes. I would play it when I was going to bed. I'd fall asleep and I would make sure that it was a 10 hour tape so I could leave it running throughout the night. And anytime I woke up, Smallville was on. And it's crazy because um, whenever we uh, go down, to, well, Anytime we're outside of Canada, you know, you would know better than I do, but there's an American station called TNT, uh, which airs Smallville. It seems like every time we leave the country, whether it was going to the Bahamas or, uh, you know, Minneapolis or something like that, TNT is always available as a channel. Fargo. Fargo, yeah. Uh, and for whatever reason, Smallville always seems to be on TNT in the middle of the night. And I will always leave it on TNT knowing that. And I can tell you, I can't tell you how many times we've been out of the, the city and Smallville has been on at like three o'clock in the morning and actually like, oh, 
this is this is such a great feeling. It's just like the old days of watching this. Um, so, I mean, I was flat out obsessed with this show for years. So that's my history with Smallville. Um, here we, it's season two. A couple things changed in the show. The first season, uh, as acclaimed as it was, like it was extremely popular and very well rated. Uh, it got a lot of criticism for just the typical what they called the villain of the week story or the freak of the week uh, was the common phrase. Uh, and even though we're getting kind of a freak of the week story here, there's a lot of other subplots that are being carried through throughout the entire season. And in rewatching this, I mean, I always remember the Jonathan Taylor Thomas stuff, but I don't necessarily remember where were they at in Lex's story for the season, uh, which in this show, you know, Lex Luthor, who of course becomes the major villain for Superman later on is actually like one of Clark's best friends here. You know, he's older than him, but Clark saved his life in the first episode and now they're best friends. Where is he at in his relationship with Lana? You know, his friend Chloe. Um, the other major thing that changed was just Clark. Nobody really knew who what his powers were in season one. Uh, and they decided to have his friend Pete, who, who's, who knows about his powers in this episode, uh, discover it, which is something that they did do in the comics, just because they needed somebody for Clark to actually interact with when he had his powers and not always be hiding them. Uh, but the other stories, let's just quickly talk about those before we get into the, the main JTT story. Uh, so Lex Luthor, he takes his frustrations out on a meter maid as he's um, getting a parking ticket. And this is actually a really important scene for a couple of reasons. One, the show, especially in these first few seasons where Clark and Lex are friends, you know, all people who know Superman, or at least could recognize when they're watching the show as a Superman show, <laughs> know this becomes the ultimate villain. And they kind of had this fine line between Lex is a good guy at this point, and they still have to show like a nasty side to him. And I thought it was great when the... Um, the meter maid or whatever was basically saying like, oh, okay, so you're donating, you know, $3,000 clubs to some charity thing, but you're giving me grief over a $25 parking ticket. Lex takes a club to the guy's car. So obviously he ends up having to go through anger management. Uh, there is a subplot about Jonathan, his dad getting trapped under the truck. Really that's to set up a couple things. One, his wife, uh, Clark's mom, Martha is working for Lex's father who, because Lex is still kind of a good guy here, his father takes on the role of being the ultimate villain, like the, the 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 crooked, corrupt billionaire who ruins everybody's lives. So this whole season had a lot of Martha working for Lionel Luther, who you don't see in this episode, Lex's dad, uh, and Jonathan being unhappy with that. And obviously this sets up Jonathan having an injury for a while where they're struggling to make ends meet, so she has to continue to work for him. So that's all stuff that sets up later the later in the season which this episode actually is one of the best episodes to watch to understand what's going to happen later in the season the second part of lex's thing being when he visits jonathan in the hospital he's asking for like the doctor for i need the best care from and everything uh only to basically insult this dr bryce who becomes a major character this season because by the end of the season lex will be engaged to her and she's going to do something quite terrible um and and i i think she kind of was one of the stars of this entire season so some of the fun stuff that they had in here was um, where she drops a line about her secret identity. Uh, she had the name tag at anger management classes she attended with him. Uh, her name tag said, Bored Silly, it's my secret identity, don't tell anyone. Uh, we found out she drop kicked an orderly. And uh, she explains that I have a violent reaction to incompetence, which I thought was great. Uh, and then uh, I guess Lex eventually asks her out, which is all going to set up later in the season. Uh, were you too confused to enjoy any of these side plots here, or did you get some of what was going on? And what did you think of the characters you did see, the the parents here and Lex slash Dr. Bryce? 
I mean, I was taking it all as it came. I was just like, okay, I don't really understand why Jonathan Taylor Thomas and the other guy have powers. I was just trying to read it as like a normal story and like just pretend like they didn't have powers for like understanding the regular story's sake. So I was like taking it all on board. I was like, this Lex guy, whoever he is, is just a real jerk. Like, is really complaining about $20 for a ticket and then like is really rude to this woman for no reason. Like, um, I thought that was just like an interesting character. I was just like, I don't like this guy. Like, obviously, like, it's setting up that he's going to be a real baddie, I'm guessing. Um, and I, I took, no, I made nothing of the parents the entire time that they were on. The only thing I was thinking about the entire episode was, do they know about the powers? Because mm-hmm. obviously, I'm watching this random episode in the middle <laughs> of the second season. I don't know anything. Uh, so finally, I learned at the end that she asked it, you know, if the girls saw him using his yeah. powers at the end. But like, I, that's all I was thinking about. I was like. I don't care about your job struggles, like, because she, she felt bad that she wasn't at the house when his the car fell down mm-hmm. on his leg that no one could have prevented, um, except the superhuman son that comes and rescues him later. But, yeah, I, I, I made nothing of them. Like, the father was confusing because he was like, you should sit down. I did all the work. And he's like, I can sit on my ass and do the car, too. It was just like, he was really weird. It was just the parents made no impression. That's all I was trying to get at. Um, I'll get your opinion on some of the other characters we go with here, but uh, Michael Rosenbaum, who plays Lex, he plays a very straight in this show, uh, which is actually really, really unusual because outside of Smallville, he's pretty much always done really outrageous comedies. Uh, he first made a name for himself, or it may have come out just after this or whatever. There was a comedy called Sorority Boys about these three college guys that basically dressed up as women to get into a sorority. Uh, around the same time, he made a movie with Keanu Reeves called Sweet November, where he played one of the two neighbors uh, of the, one of the lead characters who also were cross-dressers, uh, who just would dress up like women for fun. Uh, so he has this history of you know dressing in women's clothes, uh, but also he had, uh, after Smallville, the, probably the biggest acting role he had was a, a sitcom called Impastor, where he played this really terrible guy that just to get away from people who are chasing after him, uh, poses as a pastor in a small town, uh, but he's the least likely guy to be actually playing this role and really knows nothing about you know anything. And the whole premise of the show is is anybody to catch on to him. Really funny show. So he's always really doing comedy, and this is a more serious role for him. But did, any, any impression other than being a jerk about Michael Rosenbaum? Did you like the bald look? Did it look convincing? Because he had to shave his head like three times a day for this role. Okay, the only, I will say, like, in terms of the character of Lex Luthor, didn't, like, Michael Cena or someone, like, looking like him play it in a movie or something? Uh, Well, Jesse Eisenberg played him in Batman Superman, yeah. That's what I'm thinking Mm of. Um, I just, because I don't know why that, like, that, because I remember, like, him playing it. So it's a little different for me to jump from the first, like, ever visual impression of that to the bald like super tall mm-hmm. man um i felt like the actor and like the visual of this the whoever, michael Weiser, or whatever his yeah. name is yeah like was very like intimidating so i think that worked well like i think that it gave him the like like empowering like i'm gonna be like 
CEO boss, big big guy kind of thing. Like, so I thought that was like a good kind of storytelling for the character. Now the main thing we have to talk about, of course, Jonathan Taylor Thomas. Uh, so in this episode, we really we needs applause. Um, it starts out in shop class. And Clark, this would have been another dead giveaway, the S, which, again, if you didn't know it was Superman, you probably wouldn't guess it, but the S is intentionally shaped to look like the Superman <laughs> oh. logo. And the teacher's saying things about, yeah, your S looks really, like, unusual. Like, uh, he gives him a bad grade. Uh, <laughs> but uh, that was the Superman logo thrown here, kind of a little Easter egg. Now you get it. <laughs> oh, <my. laughs> um and Pete is asking Clark, you know, come on, take a look what my grades are. And this was one of the fun things about Smallville is getting to see, you know, Superman, <clears throat> who, of course, would be all about truth and justice and integrity and all that. Uh, here, he's like, you know what? Uh, maybe you can twist my arm to actually using my X-ray vision to look at what our grades are. And he looks and finds what Pete's is, which really is just a setup for him to see that um, – Jonathan Daniel Thomas, JTT, gets a terrible grade here because we get he's super competitive in school. Um, he's very much an overachiever, which we'll find out. Uh, and he realized... He only made a like a letter opener or whatever. <laughs> and it sucked, let's be honest. <laughs> um, but after this, he goes after the teacher and hurts him. So what's going on? Oh, he's terrible murderer, Jonathan Taylor Thomas. Um... Along with this happening, we seeing the the two girls uh, of the the series, Lana and Chloe. So Lana is the dark haired girl who's moving in with Chloe. Now Lana was orphaned uh, when the meteor shower hit and has been living with her aunt for a season and a half. Her aunt's moving away to get married. Lana wants to stay in Smallville, so she moves into Chloe. They didn't really interact much in the first season because they were kind of on opposing sides. Lana was with another guy, and Clark kind of had a thing for her. And Chloe's like Clark's best friend and she's into Clark. So it's sort of this love triangle thing that became really fun in this season because the two girls did not act the way you would think they would in a love triangle. It's more like, yeah, let's just not talk about Clark and let's just be friends. Uh, so they're moving in together, but Clark still finds this uncomfortable. Um, so JTT uh, ends up going to Chloe who runs the school newspaper. And there's some really bad Chloe lines in here. Um, where well first of all I like the you know so I think we're both candidates for the overachievers anonymous club but then we get it where he's explaining yeah you know I do all these night classes and he's got this workload that's insane and seems impossible because it is as we find out and she goes color me journalistically intrigued which oh it just made me groan uh, I ended up becoming a fan of Chloe later on because Chloe will eventually find out about Clark's powers and then her character really took off but these first three seasons I just found Chloe to be like it's just it's it, they were always trying too hard with these clever like color me journalistically intrigued like to make her sound smarter than she was and i just found her character to be obnoxious um are you at all familiar with the actress allison mack she's made the news quite a bit in the last year i i, I knew i reckon out of all the people i recognized the name mm -hmm. i just i could not place any like i, I should have looked it up but okay. i just could not well place don't it. look it up uh <laughs> I'll save you the pain. Uh, funny story here. She appeared at a Comic-Con in Winnipeg about a year and a half ago. And I think it was just after she was there. She, like I basically collected meeting Smallville people. <laughs> Anytime somebody from Smallville or Superman in general is at a Comic-Con, I'm going to meet them. Had it not been for our twins being born, the Monday after the Calgary Comic-Con was going to happen, I was going to fly down to Calgary just to meet Tom Welling, who plays Clark, and Michael Rosenbaum, who plays Lex. Uh, but... Alison Mack, who played Chloe, was here at a Comic-Con, 
and uh, I paid to you know get a picture with her, and uh, you know she we had Casper with us. And she's like, "Oh, how old's your baby?" Jamie sort of mentioned something weird about her. It's like, yeah, she was like really smiley and very nice, but something about her just seemed like a put on, and she couldn't put her finger on it. And J- Jamie's a fan of hers too, so she wasn't like being insulting. So after the Comic Con, I was explaining to somebody, I was like, "Oh yeah, you know, I met like the actress who plays Chloe." He goes, "Oh, the one in that cult." I'm like, what are you talking about? It's like, yeah, she's in some type of like crazy cult. So I started Googling this and I'm like, I had to do a lot of Googling to realize this was a real story. She was involved in some type of cult that I guess presented itself as like a self-help group, primarily for women. Uh, and there were all these accusations about women who were in there saying, yeah, they basically did like sex trafficking. They treated the women as sex slaves. Uh, they would brand us and everything. And I thought, well, this sounds too crazy to be true. Well, a little over a year ago, Allison Mack was arrested along with the um, leader of this cult. She was legitimately the leader of this cult's right-hand woman and lured other women into this cult, and it essentially was a sex cult. So this incredibly successful actress from Smallville, as well as other things, essentially a sexual predator that I think right now is in the middle of her trial. Uh, This became very big news. Um... We're not having a good track record here with JTT's co-stars as sex offenders, are we? I mean, that yeah, bad luck for him, but uh, he's still not acting anymore, so I think he's clear for now. Yeah, well, it's funny because this this cult would get a lot of celebrities in as well, or they try to get a lot of celebrities in. And if you were to follow her Twitter leading up to her arrest, because again, there was news out there about this cult, and a lot of people were like, this thing's really shady, and she's actually very involved in this. Uh, and she was still very famous. Like, she was frequently acting at this point. It wasn't like, oh, this is a star from the past. Uh, the funny thing is, she actually got into the cult, apparently, because Kristen Kruk, who plays Lana in this show, the other girl, was in it originally. And they kind of had a falling out because Kristen left the cult, and Alice Mack got super involved in it and became a sex predator. Uh, so, really interesting story there, um, which we had to get out of the way. Uh Obviously, Jamie and I kind of put two and two together. Like, after we saw her, like, yeah, you know, there was just something really weird about her. Like, she was, it's like she was presenting herself as being, you know, oh, hey, nice to meet you. But, like, you could just tell something was off, which was, uh, looking back at now, I have not shared that picture ever since. (laughs) I still have it on my phone. I'm like, yeah, I don't think I'm ever going to print this one. But anyways, so this all leads into JTT uh, kind of hooking up with two girls. So, he hooks up with Chloe in this episode, and he also hooks up with Lana as she cancels or her study. Clark cancels a study session with her, and they're basically both dating him at the same time. Now, how is this happening? Well, Jonathan Taylor Thomas, of course, this being a CW show made for teenage girls, uh, has to take off all of his clothes. Which I just gotta say, he got really good shape in between Wild America and this. Like, he's not like big muscle man like Tom Welling or anything, but he was in good shape here. Uh, And you realize that Jonathan Taylor Thomas can literally split himself in two. So one part of him comes out of the other part. And if you were to know this was a story and go back and watch the early stuff in this episode, there's a lot of mentions about this, like where uh, he's mentioning all of his accomplishments to Chloe. And she says, yeah, I wish that there were two of me sometimes. And um, he has another line. uh, Where is it? Um, I'm going to see if I can find the actual line here. Uh... Yeah, he, where he talks about being an only child, and he says something about, you know, yeah, you know what it's like for only children. You always feel like you have to do twice as much. So they threw a lot of those lines in early on, and then, of course, you get the big reveal where he splits himself in two. So we'll kind of stop it there. 
What are you thinking as we're leading to this? Jonathan Taylor Thomas, were you seeing him as like a sleazy villain from the beginning just because he was dating the girls? And then what was your reaction when you literally saw him split in two? Or did I spoil that for you when I thought that's what you were asking when you were lost? I had already gotten past... I, I When I sent the first message, I was just a little confused because I was like, this guy can like see the test stand, or the, the grades mm. and like runs really quickly. I didn't understand what was going on. And then the second message, I was like, what is happening is when he was literally splitting into two. So you didn't spoil <laughs> okay, me good. on it. Um, obviously, it is not a JTT um, like project if he does not take off his clothes, yeah. his shirt for a role like he has to take his clothes off for every role like so far in home improvement it's tracked wild america it's <laughs> tracked here it's tracked so it's a part of his contract i guess um but yeah that just really blew my mind uh the one thing i was like why can't he just have the twin and just like lock it in the closet or something <laughs> and just like instead of have to like have like an alien like chest burster like come out of his body um but I mean, hey, whatever works. <laughs> I was gonna say before you told that very interesting story of Allison Mack um, that I was uh, colored journalistically impressed <laughs> about the. Like, I was interested in the character. I think that Chloe was pretty interesting. She was um, very popular on like, the show. Like I, they set her up in a way that like made her a little bit different from everyone, and then I kind of really liked that. Like, she was always in the lab. She was always working. She had all these books. Like, so I just liked that there was something different about her. And I thought that she felt like she acted the most human. I mean, the script itself was not very good, I will say. The the voice, the DM, the, the lines were not very mm-hmm. good in this uh, episode, at least. But I think that she reacted the most normal to everything that was happening, like, she was like, how can I trust you? And how, like, what's going on? Like this, like she like acted normal. And I felt like some of the other people weren't, but yeah, I thought that I was on a journey because I, I did not see like Jonathan Taylor Thomas in two happening, but um, yeah, it was definitely shock and surprise, but I, I was trying, I was trying to follow along as best I could. Really, the second half of this episode is all just Clark's suspicions of something's off with this guy. Um, there's, of course, the first moment where uh, he's talking to him about the the shop teacher. And he goes, oh, yeah, but I ran into him the hall later. And he told me I definitely nailed that A. And Clark's like, wait a second. Thinking of himself, I saw his grade. It was not an A. So he thinks there's something off there. He's sort of seen him make dates with both girls. And then he kind of walks in at one point on him with Chloe, you know, walks in with him and Lana. So he knows he's playing them both. Clark tries to tell both Lana and Chloe. Neither of them want They're basically both telling him, yeah, butt out, Clark. Uh, as he's found out as he's talking to them, well, you know, JTT told me that Lana had a thing for him, but he's not interested in her. But he said, don't bring it up. you know. And, of course, the same story is being told from the other girls. So this is like another complete love triangle of just this guy totally playing them. Um, and Clark's doing exactly what he does in the show, which is play detective. So him and Pete... Pull a break and enter, <laughs> break into the school, which this is one of the fun things about Smallville. Uh, I'm, I'm never going to say this is a brilliant, like you said, it's not a brilliantly written show. It's just a fun show. And it was always aware of a lot of these, you know, uh, cliches and, and things that would fall into all the time. Like Clark's always just breaking into places 
And whenever something bad happens, like he gets in here and he sees, you know, that they find the dead body or whatever of the teacher uh, after, you know, calling the principal and realizing, you know, he didn't actually call in sick. He didn't call in at all. <laughs> Just the way Tom Welling plays that is great. Ben and I talked about in the random rewatches for Smallville. Uh, Tom Welling's ability to be both a bad actor and so darn likable at the same time. It's extraordinary. Uh, and I you're going to say hated Clark. Why did you hate Clark? He was awful. At, like both, like I, the acting was awful. It is, but like I think the more you would watch of the show, you would just get the charm he has. You know, I just hate. And then he sounded like so, like like I'm so right all the time. Like usually, like when he went to the at the end of the scene, like jumping way ahead, like when he was like, like well, I think Lana was like, we made a mistake. You need to let us own that that was our mistake. And, like, he just felt like I was trying to do everything to save you. You didn't listen to me. You should thank me. Well, and, like, I just, just felt, like, so entitled, and I could not stand him. I actually want to well, – I'll get to that a little bit later on. We'll save that. But, uh, you know, Tom, he really does have this charm about him without being a great actor – uh, and I mean, Jamie absolutely loves Tom Welling. Like, if if you were to tell her to rank, you know, uh, I mean, Keanu Reeves is her number one. You know, Henry Cavill, who also played Superman, is her number two. Tom Welling's probably up there with like Keanu Reeves for Jamie. Um, and obviously, like Ben and I are big fans of his for, for different reasons than Jamie. Uh, but again, it's just the charm he brings. But some of the stuff you said about like his character being entitled. That's sort of the charm of Smallville, which I'll get into a little bit later on. But uh, obviously, the the shop burns down. Uh, JTT's behind this, so he's tried to kill Clark and Pete now to cover up the dead body. Uh, Clark, he just tried to kill me and Pete. And of course, he sounds like a raving lunatic to anybody. Uh, and um, we find out later on that he actually has a cover because he's coming and trying to say, well, he did this. No, wait a second. He's been with me for three hours. So now Clark is like, well, how is this even possible? Uh and then, um, oh yeah, Clark has another one of those bad lines here when he's trying to warn, I think it was Lana, and he says, I don't remember ordering a side of hostility. Like, if this show had any issues with the dialogue, is it always trying to write these really smart one-liners that actually don't really sound natural at all? Uh, but still, there's a, a charm to even that. Uh, so, they're both buying into his story, and... Clark wants to figure out a way to get to the bottom of this. So he's like, well, let's page him. Let's page, you know, both we'll use the page or whatever to say both of the girls want to see him. So they, they basically wanted to lure him to see Lana and Chloe at the same time. This leads them to the school and they kind of confront him and realize, well, you know, you have him playing us both. He sort of locks the door and is about to kill them or whatever, uh, ends up kidnapping them instead and uh, this leads to the big climax at the dam, which we'll just kind of breeze through this too. Um, so they're about, he's about to drop, or both Jonathan Taylor Thomases who have split are about to drop Lana and Chloe off of this dam. Uh, Clark, this was where the show always had to find really clever ways to do it. What do you do when nobody can know about the superhero's power? He can't just go there and scoop them up. So he's dropping Lana off of this, or one JTT is dropping Lana off of this, or was it Chloe first? Chloe first, I think. And Clark... Yeah, Chloe, because she got knocked out. Yeah. Uh, so Chloe is, of course, not conscious, so it doesn't matter if Clark sees her. Clark basically jumps off of this thing, uh, gets to the bottom before her, catches her at the bottom, because he can't fly, so he had to basically jump to the bottom and then catch her. And then he speed runs back up to the top. Lana hasn't seen any of this. He gets into another fight. Lana's dangling off of the edge. 
Um, the other JTT or one of the JTTs is dangling off the edge here. Uh, JTT slips, falls all the way to the bottom. You assume he's gone. And um, Clark rescues Lana, which leads us to the final scene, uh, as you were mentioning, where you know Clark's basically going to them and they're saying, yeah, we're sorry, Clark. And they bring up him being less than honest with them. See, this is where I think it actually was really good in the early seasons of Smallville, the way they played this, because they would never play any of these characters as being right. They are right about Clark to the extent where he has lied to them both in the past, or they say not been honest, because that's kind of the running trend here is that both these girls, particularly Lana, who is the main love interest of the series, uh, the reason she's always on again, off again with Clark is because he'll never really commit to her because he he will never be honest. She's like, I know there's certain things that are up with you. How come you won't talk about your past? How come you won't talk about this? And he has to kind of hide his identity from them, which presents itself as him not being honest or him hiding things. So there's a lot of that goes on in all these seasons where they are right about that. But from Clark's perspective, you know, he's like, I just saved both of your lives, you know, and he can't tell them why he's not, hasn't been honest with them in the past. So, they would flip-flop back and forth like this throughout all the seasons, where there'd be one season where Clark was clearly in the wrong, and then everybody sort of reconciles, and then Lana or Chloe would be in the wrong, and then they'd all sort of reconcile. So that was sort of done with a purpose in this season, but I can get what you're saying. Like, he does come across as kind of high and mighty here, but at the same time, he's like, I wish I could tell them how I knew this, but I can't, you know? Anyways, what did you think of the episode in Double JTT? I mean, double JTT is just like twice the fun. <laughs> I mean, better than any one JTT, um, even if it was evil. <laughs> I have to say the like action sequence, a very short action mm-hmm. sequence that we got in the episode, um, not immediately, but once the mother like finally is like, did they see your powers? Like it really clicked how smart they set it up yeah. and had filmed it and coordinated all the action. Because like, like you said, like, the one girl was unconscious, so he goes after her, and the other girl's behind the car trying to, like, save her own life. Mm-hmm. So, like, she didn't see anything from that and everything, so that it was just all smartly done. Um, I do want to know, what happened to the other JTT? Because the one uh-huh. fell. But then there was the other one that he threw against, like, the sign or the the wall or whatever and was still, like, not seen from at the end of the episode. So maybe there's a JTT in the wind, unless he comes back in another he does. episode. <laughs> um, oh, okay. I think they originally did shoot an ending. I wanted to watch the deleted scene, but uh, as we were waiting for the episode, it was on a different disc and I didn't have time to get up and change the disc. But uh, I believe there is a de- deleted scene where it shows him dying as well. And they cut that from the episode because they said, Hey, we think he's really good. We want to bring him back. So there's a season three episode where Jonathan Taylor Thomas, as well as two other supervillains from past episodes other episodes kind of join forces against Clark so he does come back I, I can't remember how they explain the next one if only one of them but he I, he still has the power to split himself the next time he comes back okay I'm glad to see that we should I should watch that episode too maybe to see if uh, Jonathan Taylor Thomas gets shirtless again <laughs> but yeah I mean all in all the episode like I enjoyed it I, I was like at first I was like when I first saw it, I was like, oh my God, it's a 40 minute episode. I was just expecting like a half hour kind of stint of a show. I wasn't expecting a full like hour long like show. So I was like, oh God, it's going to take so long. But it like zoomed really quickly. And I was like surprised at how much I had liked it. Like I didn't obviously know anything going into this. I didn't realize the obvious clues of what 
it was hinting at and everything. But it was surprisingly enjoyable, and I'm surprised. I'm just surprised. I like didn't think I would like it. This really is like, even though I don't like what's his face, Tom Welling. Um, yeah. Tom Welling would grow on you again the more you watch this show. I remember my brother and I watched the show when it first came out, and we would kind of laugh at him. Uh, and then it just gets to a point where you just love the guy. Like even when he is being a jerk, you still love him. Uh, and Lex is the same thing. Like I think, well, I think with all these characters, they do take a little while to grow on you. I think the only character that's really big and exciting is Chloe, which is why I think a lot of people did like her character. That was actually the reason I didn't like her character early on because I just felt like it was so much more forced down your throat than the others. But most people would be on board with you is that she was she was a popular enough character that even though she's the literally the only character on this show that does not appear in the comics, uh, they wrote her into the comics later on just because of how popular she was. But uh, yeah, a lot of the stuff does carry through, not just the Jonathan Taylor Thomas character coming back. Uh, the stuff with Clark and Lana and um, I was going to say Lo- Lois, but Chloe, uh, that'll continue on through most of the season. Uh, and then Lex's thing with the doctor becomes a big thing as he gets engaged to her later on uh and um obviously martha working for you know uh the the big bad in the town uh all these things really set up a lot of stuff that happens later in the season but overall i think it wasn't just the fact that jonathan taylor thomas was on this episode that i always liked it it definitely helped because i was watching this every week but then you see jonathan taylor thomas is guest starring i get a little more exciting I just thought this was like a kind of a fun idea. Sometimes when they would have these freakish characters, it would sort of be like, here's a guy who can freeze things. And here it was, it was a way that the power actually worked into the character because his entire character was obsessed with success to the point where he's like, I'm basically going to double myself. And then they found ways to tie in the whole only child and having to work, you know, twice as hard. That just felt like the, the powers he had were really well told throughout the episodes and how how they actually set up his character as well. More JTT though. More JTT, and he only did. He, more. he only did come back the one time, uh, which I think even <sighs> at this point, I, I should probably look at his filmography here. But I don't think that he was doing a lot of acting even here because when he left Home Improvement, which I think was like the end of nineteen ninety eight, uh, it was so he could go to college, and he spent a couple years in college, so. By the time he did this episode, he probably had I was just about to graduate or graduate from college and was sort of taking odd acting roles. Um, we have him in outside. We're talking outside of voice acting here because he did quite a bit of voice acting. He did uh, two low budget movies after Home Improvement or those probably were filmed before he left Home Improvement. Only voice acting, a TV movie in 2000, an episode of Ally McBeal. Uh, more voice acting, and then yeah, this, and then he did three episodes of Eight Simple Rules, which is another great show. So yeah, he he came back, I guess, and after graduating from college to do just a couple of TV guest spots, and then that was kind of it. He he basically disappears after one episode or two, two episodes of Smallville, three episodes of Eight Simple Rules, and one episode of Veronica Mars, and then he's just gone until really coming back for Last Man Standing for a handful of episodes, which we'll get to next week. Um, but I guess. Uh, you said you would, you know, slightly intrigued by Smallville, found it more enjoyable than you thought you would. Would you buy this episode, rent it, or bin it? D- does it does it really hurt it that you literally did not know this was a Superman show even after watching it? You know, weirdly enough, I kind of liked it better not knowing it was a Superman show. Like, I know this sounds weird to say, but I just like this thought of, like, it's a regular town, 
there are these people who are has strange powers like and just kind of dealing with that like i just think that's cool Mm -hmm. like i guess it i guess it's okay that it's superman and lex Luthor and all these other people that are in the comic series that i don't know anything about but like i was down for it and believe it or not but i'm gonna buy it nice i'm buying it too uh of all the smaller seasons there were 10 in total easily my favorite season is season four uh which is the one that introduces lois and that was the last year in high school so these first four seasons, what you saw in this episode is pretty typical of what the show was. After that, it became a little bit more Superman-like, more about journalism and everything in less high school, less small town. Uh, but four would easily be my favorite season. My second favorite would be a tie between season two and five. Uh, so I love this season, but even still, I would rank this as one of my favorite episodes of season two. So I'm definitely buying this. And I think it, part of it was just Jonathan Taylor Thomas playing the complete opposite character from what you would expect, uh, which is so much fun. And it's crazy because this is what I messaged you when you weren't sure if you would be able to, you know, watch this today. Are we going to have to wait a day or two before doing this? And I'm like, I just started watching like the first 10 minutes. Of it, like I forgot how good he was as a villain. It's so unusual for a guy that grew up playing the ultimate good guy. Even though if you look at home improvement, I mean, he was the type of, he was, I guess a troublemaker, but more like playful troublemaker. I mean, like Tom and Huck, home improvement it's more just like your 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 what would be the way of describing it um he was like all american good kid like good kid yeah with with a sense of humor and a little bit of mischievousness like yeah a little troublemaker but mostly like that sweet kid like the the one you want to bring home to mom kind of type person Mm -hmm. like very sweet very nice smart like he had all the attributes like he was smart he was nice he was funny Mm -hmm. he was quirky he he had you know, he was strong, but he was sensitive. He was like, you know, he had all these different attributes. Like he had everything in little baskets and everything. And whenever you have like, somebody like that, it's actually hard when they try Because everybody who plays like the nice guy will always try a villain role. And when you see it, you usually have that reaction. Like, well, they did pretty good, but you just, it's hard for you to buy it. It doesn't take me more than five seconds to buy him as this scummy villain here. Like, when he has that scene where he's with the teacher, you buy it. And then when he has the scene with Chloe and Lana, and he basically admits, yeah, I'm playing you both, and I don't care if I kill you. I'm like, man, he's so good at this. Like, I would love to see more villain Jonathan Taylor Thomas. Yeah, I was pleasantly surprised. Like, I was really surprised at how well I thought that he did. Like, many of the roles that he got in his, you know, career of acting was the same thing. Mm -hmm. Like, I see... Um, Marshall, I think his name was in Wild yeah. America, as the same as like Randy Taylor. Obviously, like different stats and characteristics, but like all American, good kid, like not not too rude, not too like like funny, nice, sweet, like all those things are the same as Randy from Home Improvement. So like this being like totally different, like being insensitive, being the jerk, like being selfish, like things that are not in jonathan taylor mm-hmm. thomas or his characters that he's been like it was just so shocking and i was surprised at how good he was at it like i thought that he was the best actor in this episode for me yeah like he just commanded the state like the scenes and everything i just thought it was great and we're gonna get into a little more next week uh you know i guess understanding a bit more about his sporadic appearances and why he did kind of drop out of the public eye i honestly believe that like smallville here he was probably just trying to pay off student loans if anything or maybe just to earn a little bit of money while he was you know figuring out what he was going to do after this because i think he went to college i don't know to study filmmaking or something like that and 
just decided I'll do a couple small roles here and there. When we get to Last Man Standing last week, it'll start to make a little bit more sense when you know the history behind why he's only really come back for a handful of episodes there. Um, but yeah, I agree with you. Like, it, it is almost a shame that somebody who was such a good actor as he was that could play this, and it's not like he. I think that he was just typecast. I think if he had decided he really wanted to make a go with it after Smallville and after you know Eight Simple Rules or whatever, and really get back into acting, he could have been somebody like Jason Bateman that came back ten years later and just had this huge career revival after being a child star. Um, but next week's going to be really fun because I think it's another show you don't really know much about, but it's going to be very familiar for people who grew up with Home Improvement and Jonathan Taylor Thomas because he basically comes out of acting retirement uh, about five years ago to do a handful of episodes on Tim Allen's new show, Last Man Standing, which is essentially turning Home Improvement on its head, putting a spin on Home Improvement, very similar in a lot of ways. Uh, you've never seen Last Man Standing. I think we talked about this before. I haven't sat down and watched it. It's kind of one of those things that, you know, you would see in, like, passing. Like, I've seen it. I've seen clips of it, like, you know, in changing the channels. Like, I've seen it come up, stuff like that. But I've never watched it fully. From what I have seen, it just seems like a regular sitcom-type show, like Modern Family-esque, like, of what we're getting in this current, like, generation of sitcom. So, like, nothing immediately stands out. Obviously, I know Tim Allen, and that's about it. It's one of these really odd shows where it sort of came out. It did really well in the ratings because obviously Tim Allen, you know, is a big name and he was doing something very similar to Home Improvement, but putting a spin on it, which you'll get when you watch next week, a lot of the similarities without it being such a blatant ripoff. Um, but it didn't really get immediate respect. A lot of people are like, well, this is sort of a stupid show. And then it seems like every year that passes, the show gets more and more respected to the point where it was canceled by ABC despite being one of its highest rated shows, which was more of a business decision because of what it was costing them because they didn't own the show. And it was immediately picked up by Fox. And now it's a huge hit on Fox. But more than anything, it's just bizarre how the show became so respected where people are like, wow, this is like a really smart show. And next week's going to be a a really great example to kind of showcase a lot of the reasons why this show kind of became such a big hit later on, not not so much immediately in the first two seasons. Because we're going to season three, episode four uh called ryan versus john baker and i don't think this i don't know if this was jonathan taylor thomas's first appearance on last man standing uh he did i think three or four overall but this was sort of his biggest episode uh and his character was sort of brought in more or less just as kind of a cameo originally and tim allen convinced jonathan taylor thomas hey you know what you can come on the show and you know hang out a bit Maybe we can write you a role, and it kind of leads to this episode, which was one of the more memorable ones from Season 3. And just like, not quite just like Smallville, but we're really seeing him play against type, or at least against the home improvement type, which every time Tim Allen's brought somebody back from home improvement for Last Man Standing, they're playing almost the polar opposite of their character from home improvement. So it's going to be fun getting that next week. Uh, People can watch in advance if you want. Season 3, Episode 4, Last Man Standing, Ryan versus John Baker. John Baker being Jonathan Taylor Thomas. Uh, excited for it, Rossi? I am always excited for Jonathan Taylor Thomas. So, I'm just gonna say this, no hesitation here. The craziest thing when this aired was, it's not like you will immediately recognize him because he does look like he's 20 years older. But like in some ways, he still looks like he has an age, which is crazy. Uh, and then we're going to cap it off, which I won't have the exact episode number right now. Uh, but the final episode we're going to do in this Jonathan Taylor Thomas month 
is going to be the home improvement episode where Randy thinks he has cancer, which is absolutely mm-hmm. brilliant on a dramatic level and at the same time absolutely hilarious and probably one of the best examples on being able to blend serious subject matter in a sitcom and not lose the humor. So that's how we're going to wrap this all up. And I'm proposing this right now because I don't think we have any firm set plans for Christmas. But have you ever seen the Jonathan Taylor Thomas Christmas movie, I'll Be Home for Christmas? Uh, not yet. Oh, well, we're going to watch it at Christmas because I'm putting that up. Yes. We've got to do it. I don't know how much. Listen, I'll never, never deny a JTT watching. Then we need to do like, well, do you want to- let's continue this. Let's, let's find a way to do a random Jonathan Taylor Thomas movie. We'll do Tom and Huck and Man of the House and I'll Be Home for Christmas. I would even like rewatch this episode and do another <laughs> podcast next. Like that is how committed I am. We will start Jonathan Taylor Thomas Oz. <laughs> oh. I'm on. Listen, yeah, I'm on for it. If the Oz network doesn't last, can we start our own JTT? We will. I, I'm totally behind that. I, I love JTT. Uh, so make sure to uh, subscribe to us on iTunes. Uh, follow us on uh, Instagram, Facebook, wherever else you could find us. Uh, come back next week for this. We got other episodes going up. There's obviously the uh, Amazing, Race Canada. Amazing Race Canada. You can hear our second to last episode. That's all that matters. Which Rossi is also on. <laughs> yeah, and then we'll uh, obviously Ben's got his 20th anniversary of Third Watch uh, up this month, and uh, Australian Survivor is still going on. We're going to be all leading up to U.S. Survivor, which is still to come, obviously. And then and uh, the um, Amazing Race Australia coming back. Amazing Race Australia is coming. Uh, we're going to be getting to Terminator recaps, Star Wars recaps, which are going to monopolize a lot of our time. Uh, but we'll make time for a JTT for Christmas uh, for all the And uh, listen to my episode on Double Oz 7. Yes. And listen to our sister show, Double Oz 7, where Rossi uh, watches the James Bond movies for the first time and gives very different rankings from ours, which uh, I've continually been bringing up to Jamie this past week. Can you believe that this is what Rossi had this movie? I was watching Dr. No last night, and I'm like, what, what, Jamie, what do you think about this? He ranked this here. So listen to our sister show, 007. There's a fun episode on there as well. Um, but uh, join us for the rest of JTT month, as well as all the other stuff we have going on. Um, my name is Colin, and I also have violent reactions to incompetence. And uh, my name is Rossi, and color me journalistically impressed. Thank you for listening to the Oz Network. Don't forget to subscribe to get new episodes delivered to your speakers every week. For more information, hit us up at theoznetwork.net.